Happy New Year. I think there's a lot more people here than I had anticipated. (laughs) So glad you're here. Um, All right, let me get ready. Okay, so today's sermon, it's going to be a shorter sermon, uh, maybe around 20 minutes. um, And it's going to be from Luke 7, 36 through 49. And it was interesting when Scott, you read that passage, um, made me think in, so Psalm 34 where he says, the Lord is um, close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And today we're actually going to go through a passage where Jesus does that in person. So, um, yeah, and so as we start the new year, I think it's going to be, you know, hopefully something that's a good reminder for us that our hearts matter and it's actually that Jesus is close to us and, and saves us when we're crushed in spirit. So, um, okay, so let's just jump in. It'll be Luke seven thirty six through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, saying, excuse me, Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your sin, excuse me, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, so yeah, so that passage, it speaks for itself. I know, hopefully, you're like me, and that, that passage is very moving and very powerful. So we're going to look at the three people in that story and, and see what we can learn from each of them, you know, to apply to our lives. Um, and so like a lot of good stories, you have the protagonist, who is the woman who comes in and you know, she's the one we're cheering for. And, and then you have the antagonist, which would be the Pharisee, who um, in some ways opposes what she's doing. 
Um, and then you have the hero, which is obviously Jesus. And hopefully he's that in our lives too. And, and so we're going to look at all three of those and then um, we'll wrap it up. So um, let's see. All right. So we'll start with Simon the Pharisee. So the first first person we're going to look at, we're going to ask the question of, okay, how, how are we like him? And I think if we're all honest, we probably have parts of our heart that are like this guy. Um, first thing, you know, he, he was likely educated, um, possibly had money, you know, it was his house, um, possibly had, probably had status within the community, um, he was religious, pious, um, in quotes, the, the good one. Um, Mindy made this point to me, and I hadn't thought of it, but back in that time, the Pharisees, they, they weren't thought about like we think of him now. Like now we see that, and we're like, ooh, that's terrible. Back then, they were looked at it. They had it together. They were the ones who were right, and they were the ones who were good. So if we can kind of take that and even put it into modern day, you know, which of us think that we're right and that we're good? And I know that applies to me very powerfully. I always want to be the one that's the good one and the right one, just like the Pharisee. And again, I think we we all probably have some of that. Um, And I also think it's important, and, you know, Scott mentioned this, like with a background in counseling, I like to look at our backstory and see maybe where that comes from. And it's not to do that to blame people. It's, it's really to do that so that we can actually have grace for ourselves. And I don't know if you notice this, but sometimes it's like the more we understand about people, the more grace we can have for them. So there's people I'm sure we've all we've noticed and, and maybe judged quickly. And then as we got to know them, we realize that makes a lot more sense. And we start to have more grace for that person. Well, the same can be true for us. So quick uh, backstory for me as to why I am so strongly bent in that direction. I'm a twin. Some of you may know that. Um, I'm a fraternal twin. And I'm shorter by about seven inches. My twin brother is, my family's life, he's six foot one, long black hair. He's, he's a very free spirit. We're completely different. He's the free spirit. I'm the one like the Pharisee who likes to do it all by the book. So back when I was like little, even as much of a toddler, my mom used to say, you know, she would leave the room and she would come back. And this is like when we were like two, she would come back and he would be on top of me pinching and torturing me. You know, he's always bigger than me so he could do that. And I used to think, well, mom, why did you ever leave the room? Why did you leave me with him? And, and applying that to this is, so I could never physically match him. But what I did was I could always, though, kind of lean towards getting him in other ways. So I became good at getting good grades or being good at this or doing good at that. And so that he, that was my way of sort of balancing out. So then it became like even more ingrained in me to be that good one so that he or anyone else could ever be on top of me. See, it's almost like a survival thing. So I say all that to, to not blame him or not blame my parents, but just to have some grace for myself. 
Because then I think, then I can kind of own that and hopefully start to become more like this woman who we're about to look at. So, but before we do that, let's flip to the next slide where it's just a, a little bit deeper with the Pharisee. We see him being, and this is Simon the Pharisee, very critical. And again, if we look at ourselves, that's probably in us too. And, and um, you know, where he says, if he had known what kind of person that is, and, and so it's, it's just a critical, uh, not only of her, but of Jesus too. You know, it's like, he shouldn't be doing that of her, but he's wrong for doing that. And then religious, that religious pride that some of us have where, you know, maybe because we have this theology or because we know this, then we're better. And, um, and then defensive Instead of trusting in Christ's goodness and his righteousness, it's like I'm always trying to show how right I am and how good I am. And it's like it actually gets exhausting, whereas the gospel is very freeing to trust in his righteousness and maybe let go of some of that defensiveness that I have of my own goodness. And then the last one on the Pharisee is being right over the relationship. I've heard the saying, it's sometimes we can sacrifice the relationship to be right. And I think he was doing that. And again, we tend to do that if we're trusting more in our rightness than in Jesus. And if we can start to trust his righteousness, I do think it frees us to actually connect more with people instead of having to just be right. Okay, so the next person we're going to look at is the sinful woman um, who would be the protagonist. I do think hopefully most of us are cheering for her. You know, she's opened herself up and we're going to look at how can we learn from her. Uh, First thing is obviously she was emotional, um, that it's okay for us to have emotions. It's okay for us to express those emotions, especially with the Lord. Um, she was repentant. Um, that may be maybe the most important thing is, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but it, um, how that's such a major part of the gospel is repentance and faith. It, um, she was, and obviously very repentant, and with along with that, worshipful. She knew that she was a great sinner. She knew she needed forgiveness, and, and she was receiving that. And she knew this guy could give it to her. And so, of course, very worshipful of Jesus. And then lastly on this one, undignified. If we remember in the Old Testament, David also was undignified. When he was worshipful, he became undignified. Um, And so Jesus affirmed that. And, and so a fair question is, you know, how to, what, oh, no, sorry. Um, how do we, do we allow ourselves sometimes to, to be that? So if we go a little bit deeper, the next part is uh, she was sinful, which I know that's obvious that she was sinful, but I think what's important is that she owned it. 
it's not, she wasn't hiding it. She wasn't, she, she actually like owned that that's who she was, but brought it to Jesus. And, and courageous. You know, she went into a room that she likely knew was filled with vipers that were going to very much blast her. But she had her confidence in one person that gave her the courage to face even a room full of vipers. It reminded me of a little bit of that funny scene in Elf where uh, Elf, and I know you used this movie last week, but it kind of where he goes to the mail room of his dad's and, and he said, you know, this reminds me of Papa Elf of the workshop, um, except that it smells like, un, uh, it smells like mushrooms and everybody here looks like they want to hurt me. Um, and, and she went into a room that she knew she was going to get that kind of look from these people. And in the courage it must have took to do that, to face even that shame that had likely been put on her by those religious leaders of how bad she was, all the bad things she had done, and, and, and she faced it. And I don't think we maybe give her enough credit for the courage that that took. And then, of course, she was vulnerable. And it may be the key to us and key for her and is the willingness to be vulnerable with our hearts and, again, especially with the Lord, who we're going to see in like one minute as, as why he's the one place that we should, and of course with other people that we um, are close to. Um, so again, question is, okay, what keeps me from doing that? And then in verse 47, uh, he equates those with loving. That if, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. And she was cleaning his feet. You know, she was showing how wonderful he was and, and it was probably an outflow of, of just how much she had been forgiven and how much she loved Jesus. Okay, now the hero. And these are obvious, I do realize that, but it's good being January 1st to be uh, reminded of, of these things. Um, so why she felt this confidence to go and face a room full of accusers was all tied up in this one person. She didn't have a counseling degree that made her say, well, it's good to be vulnerable. It's good, you know, to open up. That's healthy. It's, you know, mentally and emotionally healthy. She didn't have that. She just had confidence in one person to go and, and, and be that vulnerable. So this list obviously is not going to do justice to how wonderful Jesus is, but just a few characteristics. Obviously, she had confidence that he was a compassionate person, that he would be willing to set aside the rules to actually have compassion on her. And with such kindness, I don't know that she could have done this if this was a person that was not kind, if he was a harsh person would she have been willing maybe i don't know but jesus obviously treated her with kindness uh forgiving like we had said before that might have been such a key in this was her repentance and the forgiveness and how out of that overflowed all of her love and worship um and then this next one connecting my counselor used to say to me connecting is heart to heart 
And that's important when you're facing these things that are going on in here as to why we shouldn't connect with her. You know, she's wrong. She's a sinner. Um, We're breaking all the rules by loving her or having her at the table or all the the rules. But Jesus knew for him, it's obvious that he's connecting heart to heart with this person. And so all the times that we defend and have to be right and have to be good and have to can actually sometimes be a way of disconnecting. So if I'm having to go around and show that I'm right and I'm good and I have all that together, it could keep me from connecting with people that are right around me. For example, are there any uh, fixers in here that like to fix problems instead of, instead of, thank you, I'm, I'm too huge. And, it, and the, the heart just flies right by. I forget all about it because I'm just going to fix your problem. When that might have actually been a moment that we could just have a human connection. That's all. So I, I am not good at that. Um, and sometimes when we do those things, it can kind of indirectly communicate that your heart doesn't matter. That's one of those things that we just want to keep on the side and let's, let's fix the problem. And, and, and again, the problem can be fixed, but, but at the time, let's have that moment of human connection. So if we go a little bit deeper as to why she felt this confidence in him, and, th- and this was that he, Jesus was strong and he defended her and he protected her. And if we look, if we go back and look at verse 30, 44, can you hit the slide that has verse 44 on it? Thank you. Um, Okay, so. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? And I just love that picture of of him turning towards this woman, facing her directly, but speaking to Simon. And I kind of like picturing that. I'm a visual person of like, so he's facing her, facing her, speaking to Simon. Like how protective that is. He stood up for her. He defended her. And if you take all that, he becomes the safe, the safest place we could ever go with our heart. And just like Scott read, when we're brokenhearted, when we're crushed in spirit, he is the safest place to actually face us, have that protective, you know, blocking out whatever it is that's accusing us or or making us uh, feel ashamed. So in conclusion, I want to ask a question as we, as we conclude, would his, would his countenance be any different if it was you that came to him? with your whole heart.
if he turned towards you, spoke to your accusers, would his countenance be any different? And it's a question. Would he defend you less? Would he be less protective, less gracious, less kind? I hope not. I hope he'd be just that same wonderful Savior that he was to her as to us. Because he's different. He's better. He's perfect. And, and if you're like me who struggles with that, struggles with being in at all like this woman, there's hope. But it's not the hope of me. I know it's January 1st and we need to have New Year's resolutions, but it's not the hope for me to resolve to do it better myself. Because even that I can't do. I'm going to go back to my natural tendencies. But the hope is actually not the picking up by my own bootstraps. It's actually running to him and resting in him and letting him be the one that changes my heart. Because I can't change my own heart. I can have those New Year's resolutions and those are fine. But when it comes to that really central, deep part of myself, it's got to be God that does that. I don't have it. And I think the good news is it can happen. He can actually do that, change the part of us that's so deep and, and maybe so hard-hearted. But he has the power to do that. And learning from the woman that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to be courageous and open, and, and even in the face of shame. And the, main, the reason we can do that is because Jesus is who he is. So in final conclusion, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to land the plane. <laughs> so uh, being the first day of the new year, maybe we can also include in our resolutions about our heart. That it can be, may it be this year, well, not may it be, that it can be renewed this year, refreshed and open because of who he is.